Hey, we're going to talk about a little personal brand strategy and being yourself. But before we do that, how about owning a franchise? Then give the folks at Liberty Tax Service a call if you're in, you want to get into the business, okay? With 20 years of business of taxes and franchising, they can help you become your own boss and show you why taxes. That's right. Taxes make a great business because they're always going to be around. So check them out at LibertyTaxFranchise.com or, you know, give me a call and I'll put you right in touch with one of the C-suite executives there and we'll get you fast track to own your own business because these guys are great. I love them. All right. Today, oh my gosh, I'm talking to the founder of the Women's Success Summit. I love her. I love this interview. I love the discussion that we had. Um, all about empowering yourself and being a superstar. And I'm not talking about a superhero, okay? Anybody could be a superhero. Just go put on a cape, all right? You'll see it at Halloween. Some of you are superheroes at Halloween. I'm talking about being a superstar. Now, what's a, how do you do that? And so she's been around. She's, oh, man, she's been one of the top 40 women here, top 20 here, top 100. She's founded and produced the Women's Success Summit. It's probably the biggest, the largest conference for entrepreneurial women. I'm talking about Michelle Villalobos, and I love to say that name, Villalobos, and she's here with us today. Welcome, Michelle. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, so the first question I've got to ask you is, how did you get such a great last name? I just love saying your name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you, Jeffrey. I do too, actually. I super appreciate my name, especially I always felt like my first name, Michelle, wasn't very unique or special. So my last name really made up for that. My parents are Cuban yeah. uh, and I was, you know, Hispanic descent from Spain. So I imagine it came from a place where there were a lot of wolves or something because it means town or house or place of wolves in Spanish. Ooh, the den of wolves, the den of wolves. Hey, there you go. But, but, you, but, but I've known you for a while. You're, you're not you're not like a wolf at all. You're 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 so nice. <laughs> well, I thank you. Yeah. I mean, I definitely uh, I've changed a lot too, Jeffrey. You didn't know me 10 or 15 nope. years ago mm-hmm. when I was in my overachieving type A persona phase of my life. But we we can get into that if you want. Well, I, no, that's there. That, there's no doubt that you, being <laughs> successful, or I wouldn't even have you on the show if, unless you were such a loser that you were terrible and we would be avoiding the things that you do. But it's the opposite of that. It's to do the things you do. I mean, because you, you are very successful. I've, I, ever since I met you, and I can't remember, it had to be about three or four years ago. Yep. And we were somewhere and I can't even remember where it was. I went, this gal's got, she. You, you've got a special spark. And, Thank you. And I think that's important. But you could all t- tell from the conversations you are really going after the things you want to go after. Yeah. And I think that part of the transformation that I've undergone over the last few years is really clarifying what it is I really do want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the past, that was very much, uh, I was very achievement oriented, very focused on the outer trappings of success, like titles and money and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and the, the last few years I've really shifted my focus and it's way more fulfilling. My focus is much more on alignment, authenticity and contribution. So we talk about dead animals on the wall trophies, right? I mean, the ma- exactly. mahogany and the crystal and everything else you get. So when you were focused on that, 
I mean, you still want to have some of those things, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. And and the thing is, even the things, though, that I do want that are, quote unquote, like lifestyle things, they are more about feeling good than looking good. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest shift that I would say I've experienced. I still love to fly first class and I, I like to drive a cool car and I do it more because it makes me feel good. It keeps me energy rich. It I have fun and I enjoy myself, but it's not so much anymore about impressing anybody or uh, achievement so that other people will be proud of me like my parents like that that has really minimized a yeah, lot but you but if you're doing the things the way you want to do them don't you think the other things come a lot easier yes totally yeah. it, it follows it's so funny i had it backwards for so many years and i think that that's part of the work that i do now is derived from this this aha moment that i experienced in my own life which was that i was chasing the wrong things and as a result i never felt good enough i never felt like i was getting to where i wanted to go because there was always more that i wanted to have and do and be and once you once i started I'll speak for myself. Once I started really getting clarity around, well, what really matters to me, right? What are my core values then? And focusing on that and really aligning for those things, all the other stuff started to come a lot easier. Yeah, you get get down on those conditions of satisfaction and stop Mm. listening to the little voices in your head. And when when that occurs, there's huge breakthroughs that occur for you because it's less about chasing and more about the doing. And, and being, and right? Being. Oh, being. I love that. It's a better phrase, a much better phrase. Good, good, good phrase. So when I look at you, Michelle, and I think about all you do, and I know you empower women so much, and not just women, but men as well, but I know the core of your business has been with women, or at least yep. that's my perception. It is. Yeah. Well, what are you best known for? What do you think that if people look for you, and and say and they see you what it, what are they best known for well you know from a business perspective I and mean, how i've positioned myself and branded myself it's really been around this concept of helping people wake up or step up into their inner superstar and the word superstar i've chosen it very intentionally for us for me a superstar is a person who uses her influence and income to make an impact. And, you know, there are so many, especially women who want to serve, who want to give, who want to add value to others. And in doing that, they sometimes forget about themselves. So it's like this sacrificial thing. And that and that plays out a lot of times when they start these businesses. So in the last few years, we've been helping women especially, but not only, build businesses where they take, where, that take care of them, that give them that lifestyle that keeps them energy rich and feeling good, while at the same time adding, adding value. So, you know, I've really cracked the code in a lot of ways on how do you monetize your magic? How do you monetize the things that you're awesome at, that you love to do, rather than thinking, okay, the things I love to do, they have to be my hobby. They, I do them after hours. I do them on the weekends. No. How do you build a business doing the things you love to do and adding value and serving people and contributing and give yourself that lifestyle and your family that lifestyle as well? I mean, by the way, everyone listening, you don't. I'm sitting here thinking for myself. I, I don't have to be a woman to 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 do that. 
Exactly, which is why we've broadened our focus from women to now this concept in the last couple years, three years of superstars, right? Anybody can be a superstar. Anybody can build a business around their unique magic, monetize that while adding value to others and, and living a really fun, fulfilling life. You know, and you and I talked about this as you were putting the superstar piece together because we we talked about different words and that's right. Different ways of meanings, and you came to this great realization of superstar. And I like that, not superhero, because right. hero means you got to be beyond human. And this is more personal. This is a, you can do anything and be the best at it and be a, a star at it, which I like. I like that concept. Yeah, and the the thing about it is that you know there's there was always this belief that I had, or I had I had this limiting belief really that one person couldn't make that big of a difference, or at least mm-hmm. I couldn't be that one person, that other people may be, but not me. And so part of this whole messaging too is like normal, ordinary people throughout history have made a difference over and over and over again. And normal people can be a superstar for others. There's this one woman back in... um World War II, Warsaw, Poland. She, there's a movie about her, and you've probably never heard of her. Very few people have. Her name was Irene Sendlerowa. Irene, and they, they shortened it in the movie to Irene, Irene Sendler. And this woman was a social worker in Warsaw when the Nazis were just starting to round up the Jews from the Jewish ghetto, as they called it. And, and, and they were rounding them up and sending them off to these concentration camps. And she realized what was happening uh, because it wasn't like officially announced. And she, little by little, she got parents to trust her and give her their children, their babies. And she would put these babies in wheelbarrows and toolboxes in backs of trucks underneath laundry. And she would, she spirited out 2,500 children and saved them from death from the Jewish ghetto back in World War II. This was a, a normal woman who'd never done anything like this in her life. And she saved the lives of these 2,500 children who, of course, went on to have children and children's children and all of that. So she changed the world. She literally changed the course of history through this this act of, of, of heroism, yes. But she was not a superhero. She was a normal human being. That's a superstar. Uh, why do you have to go make me cry on my own show? Not <laughs> you good. should watch the movie. You would love I'm it. I'm going to have to watch the movie. I'm going to read the book now, too. I'm going to find there the book. and. I'm I'm a huge reader. I love to watch movies too. So, how did you get started in business? What was your first job? Oh my gosh. Okay. My very very first job, if you're going to be technical about it, like the first thing that I ever got paid to do was teach hip hop dance classes <laughs> at my college. <laughs> get out. I'm not joking. I'm super serious. I was a dance instructor. I also taught salsa and merengue classes. And then my first job out of college was not very interesting. I was just a sales assistant at um, a company that did pharmaceutical sales conventions. But my second job out of college was really interesting. I got invited to be part of the launch of Dentine Ice Chewing Gum. And they invited me. I went on a tour bus on a big, like, million-dollar, like, a concert bus, right, with Mm -hmm. 20 other kids my age. And we traveled around the country. We did 48 cities in 60 days, and we handed out packets of sample chewing gum. We handed out 6.5 million samples of Dentine Ice chewing gum in two months, which is a lot of gum. Yeah, you got paid to chew gum. 
basically. Yeah, and walk <laughs> at the same time. That was cool. That's cool. Well, I mean, did you have a job back in high school or junior high or when you were younger? No, I grew up in the Dominican Republic, and that mm-hmm. just wasn't a, um, yeah, a thing do. that kids did. Mm-mm. So did your parents migrate then from Cuba to there? Kind of, sort of. So my my parents, it's interesting because I see this very much as part of my story. Um, as you might imagine, my, my dad is Cuban. So when he was younger, his family was very, very wealthy. They lived in um, Camagüey, Cuba. My dad's grandfather had been the mayor of the town. And, you know, they were established wealthy, uh, you know, landowners. They had tanneries of leather tanneries. And so my dad was, was sent off to boarding school because he was, you know, uh, this this. Niño consentido, spoiled, a spoiled child. Mm -hmm. And so they sent him off to Maine to study uh, when he was about 15 or so. Did did they tick him? Did he tick someone off? I mean, (laughs) no no offense to the people in Maine, but I mean, all the way from Cuba. All right, you 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 in the, out of sunshine, you're going to frickin' Maine, okay? I, you know what? I never thought of that. Like <laughs> I, that's really true. <laughs> Holy crap. That's like Siberia sometimes in the wintertime. <laughs> exactly. Well, my poor dad. Well, anyway, he went off to Berwick. He loved it, actually, from what I understand. He had to be the only Cuban in Maine. Oh, for sure. I just had somebody from our office in New York relocate to Sioux Falls and and she's Puerto Rican. I said, You just double the population of South Dakota. And she goes, no, I didn't. I go, yeah, you did. It's just one other Puerto Rican in the entire state. So it's been hilarious. Oh, exactly. So my dad was probably the only Cuban in Maine. And he, when Castro came to power, you know, with the revolution, my dad got stuck in the United States and my grandparents got stuck in Cuba. So my dad mm. didn't see his parents again for 10 years. Wow. And by the time he did see them again, not only had they aged considerably because they're, but they had lost everything. Everything yeah. had been taken away. So they went, they went into major you know, poverty. I mean, they came to the United States with nothing. And so my dad's experience of life and career and work and money is you can have everything and it can be gone in a moment. And so there was a lot of that sort of fear and scarcity around, around money and career. Like for me, what they always wanted for me was safety and security. And I was not born for that. I was born, you know, to be a superstar, right? From the time I was a little kid. And so from that time, it's always been sort of this, it was always this challenge, like, you know, follow this path. It's safe. It's normal. Get a job, go to a good school. And on, on my side, I always wanted to do something bigger, something more interesting, something more fun. So it's interesting to listen to you. Are you, have you always been as self-assured as as you come across in the in your own voice and the, the way you present yourself? No, at all, actually. It's funny that you even say that because it's taken a few years to get back to this. I think this is my natural. This is the authentic me. This is the real me, the fully self-expressed me or the almost getting to be fully self-expressed. But no, we, we moved around so much when I was a kid. And when we, we moved to the Dominican Republic when I was 12, I really retreated into a shell because I didn't speak the language and I didn't fit in. I When I got to the mm. Dominican Republic, I got made fun of mercilessly. You know, my classmates, they... they where did you move from? Maine or where's... <laughs> No, we lived in Colorado um, until I was 10. And then we moved from Colorado to Miami for two school years. And then I came to the Dominican Republic. Because I've seen you in Colorado. You've had some events in Colorado a lot. Now that makes sense why you go back. 
I love Colorado. I so this is another kind of funny story. My my parents one day we I lived in Colorado for five years. I was a total gringa. I didn't speak Spanish anymore. I totally fit in there. I was popular in the fourth grade, you know. And then we went away for um, summer vacation. And about a week before we were supposed to go back, and I was supposed to start school again. My parents sat me down and said, "You're going to start school here instead." So so it's kind of a culture shock, Colorado, Miami, and then two years later, kind of the same. story story, we moved to the Dominican Republic and there it was a huge culture shock. What did your dad do? I'm curious to know what your dad did. He's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, he before he basically was an independent consultant. And he would go wherever the gigs were, and then mm-hmm. at one point, one of his old clients decided to start this company in the DR when they opened up all the free zones down there, uh, a manufacturing company. So they made pants, they made Levi's Dockers, and you know that mm-hmm. that sort of thing down in the DR. And my dad managed all the operations. My dad and I are pretty much opposites. You know, I'm this star profile. My dad is very methodical, analytical, you know, very, very different for me. And we get along great. Yeah, but I almost sound like I was going to ask you who you took after the most. I was going to say it sounds like your dad. I took after him a lot. I mean, I studied, I almost studied engineering, but he didn't want me to do that. He said it was it was no career for a girl, <laughs> um, but I studied math. I, you know, I, I almost majored in math, actually. You know, I, I take mm. a lot after him. And then I also, you know, I have a lot of my mother as well. She's very verbal, you know, very uh, eloquent. She, she, I used to say it sounds like she ate a dictionary book, a dictionary, because she <laughs> knows every word. So you said something, and I want to pick up on it, and I don't want to delve too much in your personal side, but you, you like you had it, then you lost it, and now you got it back yeah. again? Yeah. yeah. Well, what is yeah. that? Why? Why? What, what caused that? Okay. So I think what happened was, uh, you know, as a lot of us can probably relate, I moved to the DR and I, I went inward because I felt I yeah. felt like I didn't fit in. I didn't speak the language. I didn't, you know, I just felt really self-conscious for all duck those out, years. A duck out of water in essence. I mean, you really- totally. I mean, yeah. Completely. Are you American? Or are, you, are you Puerto Rican? Yeah. Are you, you know, Hispanic or, you know, whatever, you know? Exactly. Puerto Although Puerto Rican, Rican Cuban, doesn't Cuban, figure I'm in, sorry, but yeah, Cuban. you got it. Yeah, you know right, it. Yeah. Sorry. Wrong country. Sorry. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> We're all well, I'm not kidding. saying that because I'm not going to get the letters, okay? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, that, so that happened. And then, you know, I, I, I kind of started to fit in and then it was time to go to college. So I, they, you know, you're going to love this one. I went up to New Hampshire. I went to Dartmouth oh, College. God. I know. I don't know what I was thinking. And that was part of it. Like, Jeffrey, I lost who I was. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. ever have like a true north. I never, I was always trying to define myself by mm. who I was around and where I was and who I was with. And I spent a lot of time, I realized this later in life, actually, this this aha moment I had just recently, that wherever we would move, I tended to find the popular girl and and befriend her and become sort of her number two. That was my mm-hmm. strategy. But you're a number, but you're, but you're clearly a number one. Well, and I, and I sort of had to come to terms with that. You know, I had to consciously decide, like, I am good enough. I can be on my own and I don't have to. And, and it was as recently as five years ago that I had a business partner and I felt, I felt like I was losing myself in that partnership and I don't blame anybody else. It's, it was all coming from inside of me. So, you know, it's interesting you you say this. By the way, it's kind of interesting. You go to the extremes, too, it, uh, at least my observation. I mean, you go all the way to New Hampshire, you know, yeah. all opposite of Dominican Republic. 
it's kind of interesting to see that in order to mm. find yourself. And I think people do that where they, they, you know, we almost act out sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. From who you it, are to it, get to sure. where you need to go, which is sometimes a bad journey. You know, I want to, I want to ask you this because I, I think you help so many women and this story helps a lot of women. I, you know, the other day I was uh, on the plane and I see this posting by someone who I don't really know, but she, she's in the entertainment industry and she posted something that sounded like a suicide. And I immediately jumped on it and I IM'd her, you know, instant messenger on, on, on Facebook. I said, hey, you know, little, I actually called her, well, you really don't know me. Why, why, why I do what you say you're about to do? And so I talked to her for hours and I wouldn't get off the IM. In, in fact, I took a later flight until she told me she was safe. But I, mm-hmm. what what bothers me and I saw another woman this year who actually committed suicide and wrote her note on Facebook, wow. and she's in the entertainment industry as well. And I just wonder what we can do to help people find themselves. Oh, boy, that is such a – that is the question, Jeff, Jeffrey. I mean, that is the question. I mean, for me, what I found was I could I, – I went all over. You know, I did the Denty Nice trip, and then I moved to Boston, and then I tried Miami, and then I moved to Colorado, and I went on a road trip for nine months. Like, all this trying to, quote-unquote, find myself externally – and really the journey that I needed to take was was an internal one. You know, it was a journey inward. And this is actually the book that I'm writing is about how to take that journey, like a, an actual process for, you know, how do you step by step take this journey in an intentional way rather than kind of getting thrown around by the universe and whatever circumstances come up. Like for me, it took, I, you know, it took a major upheaval in my life to to, to really say, wow, you know, how did I get so off track? How did I forget who I am? How did I get so caught up in all this stuff that doesn't matter? And, and now my, my goal is, all right, you don't have to have that upheaval. You don't have to get hit by cancer or have an accident or whatever it is that sometimes wakes us up. You can choose to wake up. And these, these are the questions. Cause that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's really asking the big, big questions in life. Like, like, who are you really? And, and, and what do you really want? What actually matters to you? These are the questions that, and it's not a, a thing that you can do in a day or in an afternoon. This is a journey that you embark on and then you decide and you do it for the rest of your life. Yeah. And it changes as you go. I mean, you, you know, where you're this and then you become this and you become this, but I love the fact about being, Absolutely. you know, your inner superstar, that, that core and what's the core and your core beliefs, your, what I call your conditions of satisfaction. I I think that's important for us because once you, you know, once I had that in my life, then boom, get out of my way. Everything's so easy and clear. Where there was confusion, there's now clarity. I mean, and that's really the the, the big difference that I can that I can say I feel now is is intention, is clarity, is focus. Whereas the old me was just very aimless, and 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 the circumstances really dictated my life. Mm-hmm. Do you get people who tell you this is what you should be? To me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? Well, there's two things. One, and I'm curious to know you're you're a woman. Do you get it more as a woman? Mm -hmm. I think you probably do. Right. Mm -hmm. Although I have lots of people saying, Jeff, you ought to do this. You ought to do this. Like, shut up. (laughs) 
no, I don't. I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. You know, but I, you know, you're in, you're in the speaking and the thought business, so to speak. And, and people come up all the time when, and they say you should do this and do that. I, but I, do you get that as a woman? Oh, a I, I get that a lot. Now, I've never been a man, so I don't know if I get it more yeah. than a man. <laughs> I imagine I might. But I would say that the old me used to listen to that. And the yeah. new me can appreciate where it's coming from. And who can recognize the difference between good advice, which is what that is, and wisdom. Wisdom is what really applies to me and my soul and my core. And the only people that I listen to when it comes to that is, is people who I've, who I've intentionally chosen, like my mentors. Uh, I no longer even listen, I would say, even to my parents as wisdom, right? My parents very much have a, a prescribed notion of, you know, what, what's, what's right or wrong or good or bad. And we don't necessarily agree on those things anymore. So I listen to them and I love them and I appreciate where their quote unquote advice is coming from, but I no longer take it as wisdom. And that's very liberating. You know, the other thing you can say whenever you get that is there's a Southern saying down South where I grew up in Georgia called, and when someone says something to you, that you just go, oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> bless and, your and heart. Course, yeah, for those who don't know that, in Southern language, that means fuck you. <laughs> I mean, just basically, it's, it's bless yes. your heart. Aren't you, aren't you sweet? Oh, how so, nice. Yeah, how nice. My my mother taught me that years ago. The um, and so it's just a great way of being able to say no, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Now exactly. the other thing is, I'm going to point it out because, but you're tiny. Yes. You know, in size, you're you're yeah. like I'm six foot, you know, three, two hundred and eighty pounds, and you're this small petite thing, just like my wife. And does that does that throw people off how powerful you are? Um, you know, I I I don't know. I'm five foot one and a half. Uh, and I wear, you know, five, six inch heels and I, and I put my, and my hair is pretty big. And so I get, your hair's big. That's it. You got that good hair. You got that good hair. I going give myself at least an additional, I think six inches between those two. So I might, <laughs> I definitely present bigger than I am. Physically. No, you present, you present as big as me. You know what I mean? No, you know, well, but no, I, I never knew I was big for years until I was playing rugby at a pretty high level. And one day I saw a team picture and I go, who's that big guy in the back? And I looked and it was wow. me. And that was that was my first realization. I was about I guess I was about twenty nine years old. Oh wow. Before I realized, holy holy moly, I'm a big guy. Well, you know, and I and I've read, I don't remember which book this was, one of those like Malcolm Gladwell type books where it talks about the 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 fact that tall people, bigger people get more are more confident. They, people look up to them more. Like they have all these benefits. But you know, and I would say maybe if I were in corporate America, Jeff, maybe if I were doing what you do, it would have been, you know, more noticeable. But I've never felt hampered by my size, you know, and I, I feel like, like I said, I present bigger than that because of my personality and, and some tricks mm-hmm. of the trade. Yeah. How tall do you think you really are? Yeah. I think I, <laughs> I show up like about five, eight or so. So what's your, so I'm kind of curious, what's your management style? I would say. I mean, because you got people work for you. How do you manage? I mean, what's your management style? Is it really hands-on? No, I was about to say, you know, it's I'm working on that. That's an interesting question because we're right now. I'm I'm being intentional about what I want my style to be. I want it to be um, loving, first of all, which is a mm-hmm. word we don't you know hear a lot in business. But I found that it adds a lot 
um, in my business relationships is to is to approach them with love and understanding. So that's my intention. And I, I want to be hands off. You know, I want to have a team that's proactive and and that makes decisions. And, you know, I don't want people looking to me for answers. I, I would like them to look to me for leadership on our North Star, on our vision, on our values, but not on necessarily on our project management type of stuff. Yeah, I have a saying in, in the company now that I will not do the work of my very talented, motivated, smart, and occasionally good-looking team. <laughs> that's great. That's a great That's yeah. a great way to put it. And my team is getting used to it. You know, in the old days, the older me or the, you know, was more hands-on, more prescriptive. And now the idea is, well, what do you think? You ha- You know how to make this decision. You don't need me. Yeah, my first take is to go do it myself yeah. always, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's a recipe for staying small and you, you obviously are not small. <laughs> well, what's the what's the next big thing for you? Well, we are oh, gosh. Well, I oh, I just launched my podcast. I mean, that is the big thing. Oh, right that's now. true. Yeah, you got yeah. the podcast on C-Suite Radio. Yes. yes. It's awesome by the way. Thank You're doing you. great I with d- it. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. You're just cr- no, you're crushing yeah. it. It's just great. It's good to see. I'm it. excited. I'm excited. the The podcast is my joy. It's really I found an outlet for my creativity, and and I'm just enjoying it so much. And because of that, I think that people can feel that, and it's showing through, showing in the comments and the reviews and the ratings that we're receiving. So that's the big project, and the next one is the book to go along with it. I, you know, it's time yeah. to put. To, to book number one, right? Because the, my vision is, you know, books for the rest of my life. Well, I, you know, I don't always interview other podcast hosts, but I wanted to interview you because I just, I love being around you. I love your energy and you're just a genuinely good person, which is really cool. And I love that you're, you're really helping people. You know, a little bit, I got to tell you, you know, sometimes I look at it and say, oh, somebody's going to find their inner superstar. Oh my God. I'm gonna knock myself up the head talking about that, but you know, but I, but you, what I like about you is, is that it's so genuine, it's so genuine and so real, you know. And I just thought that I, I said to the team, I said, "Well, we got to have her on the show because it's just, it's just so good." Thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I really believe that we all have this potential to inspire other people, influence other people, lead other people in our own unique way, in our own unique space, right? It doesn't always look the same, but everybody has magic. Everybody, and if everybody were bringing that magic to the table every day in this world, I mean, I, can you imagine what that would look like? And and if only 1% of us did that every day, if only one more Irene Sendlerov woke up, right, as a result of checking in Mm -hmm. with her core values and understanding that she's much, much bigger than this nine to five job that she has. Like that's, that really lights me up because I, I know that that would, that would make the world a better place. And I've always, even from a young child, the one thing that's always been there, my parents used to call me the bleeding heart liberal of the family, which they can't anymore because I am not a liberal. I am a libertarian, as you well know. Um, but they, they, they always called me that because I always wanted to save people. I wanted, always wanted to save the world. I wanted to fix the problems. And I believe that the best. Yeah, but what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I don't know, right? I don't know. But the point is, like, I think that the way to do that is to for each person to wake up and fix the problem that's most important to them. 
Well, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start sending your podcast over to Donald Trump because we could. We need a better world. I agree. We need a better world. I agree. <laughs> Certainly send it over. All right. Well, we're going to have you back. It's been a pleasure. I want to thank you. And uh, folks, we're going to have all the notes right here where to find Michelle because you want to be able to find your inner superstar. And I know I'm finding mine every time I listen to Michelle right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you, Jeffrey. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about the things I learned. And, you know, I learn a lot just by listening. And I like to listen. And one of the cool things that I really liked about this show was the fact that we talked about just being human, normal people. And I love the term inner superstar versus being a superhero. I talked about that at the beginning of the show. But really, about anyone can be a superstar right? Can't always be a superhero, all right? But you can be a superstar and doing lots of things over your life makes you a hero, okay? So don't forget that. And you can be a hero eventually, but first you got to become your own superstar. And I really like that, just normal people being better humans. And uh, that's what I learned today. And sometimes I think it's important for us to think back and, and just look at ourselves inward and say, what are our own conditions of satisfaction? And I thought today was a great job. And Michelle Villalobos, I mean, one of the best. If you, By the way, if you're a woman and you're looking to do a great conference, make sure you check her out uh, at the Women's Success Summit. And um, and it's, it'd be well worth your time, okay? Well worth your time. And thanks for spending your time here with me on C-Suite Radio. You've been listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. And don't forget to tell your friends. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.